Hi everyone, my name is Christopher Vonheim and you're listening to the BIN podcast. Simply the podcast for those who want to learn from the very best in business, tech and entrepreneurship. Let's start the show. All opinions expressed by Christopher Vonheim or his guests on this podcast are only their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of BIN. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Christopher Vonheim as a specific reason to invest or follow a particular strategy but only as an expression of his opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Okay, welcome back, guys. Super happy to have Öystein back in the studio, sharing some lessons from the year and also forecasting a bit ahead. Öystein, thank you so much for joining again. <laughs> Good to be back. Uh, you know, didn't take a long time. <laughs> didn't take a long time. Maybe it represents a, a bit of crazy year. Would you like to start and, and share the presentation and we can get more into it? Yeah, sure. Uh, let's do it. So um, we uh, um, we posted our new presentation out today. So um, I will just briefly go through the market. It's been a crazy couple of weeks. Um, I said to Chris that you know we we're gonna have five slides, and I ended up with twelve slides. Uh, so I I will try to to keep it short. You know, uh, talk is cheap, as you know. I'm an economist, so I can tell you why it's uh, cheap. Uh, do you know why it's cheap, uh, Chris? Don't push me this question so early. It's too early. Oh, okay. So of course, why talk is cheap is you know because supply is higher than demand. So with that, I think um, uh, we can start. There was a disclaimer. You can read that if you want. Uh, on the website if you want to invest in Plex. So let's start with U.S. exports. Um, this is the third largest uh, export market and um, export volumes, they have skyrocketed uh, since the slowdown um, and lockdowns in April to uh, October. So, you know, during the summer months, uh, export volumes out of U.S. fell as low as 200,000 tons a week. This is about three cargos a week. Now they are up at around 1.8 million tons on a weekly basis. This is about 25 cargos. So, so export volumes from, from the U.S. have uh, gone uh, eightfold. Um, and, you know, as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic, gas prices worldwide plummeted. So flexible U.S. cargos uh, are at most risk of cancellation due to uh, the highest short-run marginal cost as well as they allow the customer to actually uh, cancel the cargos. So as a consequence of this, about 180 US cargos have been cancelled this summer and autumn uh, and we have also had some disruption because of the most active hurricane season on record where particularly three hurricanes hit uh, you know the exports plants in US, uh, the hurricane Laura and Delta as well as the tropical storm Beta. However, uh, from November, U.S. volumes are more or less back at full capacity, and we are also seeing them increasing now with the expansion of Corpus Christi train tree, which is now just recently taken the commissioning cargo. So, so volumes are open, and, and we'll look more at that on our next slide, please. So if you look at the overall the global volumes, um, it's it's you know customary to see that volumes tend to 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 go low uh, go lower after the peak winter months. But this year, you know, this kind of reduction in volume has really been magnified by the COVID nineteen lockdowns. Monthly export volumes have fallen from 
close to 36 million tons in January at start of the year, down to you know below 28 million tons in June and July. So this is a 20% volume reduction, which is twice the reduction uh, you saw from the OPEC cuts following the, the, the COVID-19 pandemic. So it's really massive reduction in volumes. Um, and you know this really hits uh, the freight market as um, you know we have had around 35 ships for delivery this year when you're seeing that volumes are down this much but, but you know uh, demand has picked up especially in Asia so we see on this graph that Asia's share of, of volumes have been growing you know they have dealt quickly and swiftly with the coronavirus and and implemented stimulus package as well so um, in this period, you know, the, the Asian market the share of the volumes have grown from, you know, below around 62% to now more than 75%. So, you know, taking cargoes to Asia, of course, also involves uh, more sailing distances. And if you look at this from a yearly perspective, 2019 was a bit odd year where Asia's market share fell below 70%, around 69%. Uh, 2018, Asia's market share was like 20, 75%. So then China was really uh, firing on all the cylinders and, and taking a lot of the, the growth in the market. Uh, so in 2020, with this sharp increase in Asia growth, you know, we do see that we're going back to like 70%, but we're still well below 2017 and 2018 shares. So next slide. Um, uh, just illustrate the same thing I said. Um, given all the cargo cancellation due to the low gas prices this summer, the expected growth this year will be around 5 million tons uh, compared to 35 million tons last year. So last year, Europe really came to the rescue after a warm winter caused by the El Nino. And, and they did so also in the first half of, of 2020. Um, uh, due to their ability to take a lot of, of, uh, of gas on, on, on storage. But as I mentioned, from second half of the year, it's been all about Asia. And you look at China growing around 8 million tons in 2020. India growing maybe like 5 million tons. So Chinese growth is as high in 2020 as in 2019, despite the pandemic. Uh, and keep in mind, you know, still 5 million tons growth in LNG this year, you know, coal and oil demand is down 6 to 8%. Even nuclear plants, nuclear power is down around 4%, driven by, you know, disruptions in, in France. That's why France is, uh, you know, pretty high on the table here. They have been substituting nuclear power with LNG. So... Um, natural gas actually is, is also declining around 3%, but natural gas in the form as LNG is growing 1.5% this year, which actually exceeds the growth you have seen from renewables, which is only around 1%, which is pretty amazing. So if we look a bit more on this on next slide, I, I can give you some you know, view what this, you know, implications for the market because Europe was absorbing a lot of volumes earlier in the year when Asia had a lockdown uh, and now cargoes are going to Asia. That means much less cargoes available for Europe and Europe are now withdrawing gas at record levels. So you see this graph here on the left, 
withdrawals from European uh, inventories. And you see that the, the, the gas inventories in Europe is declining sharply. And this is you know, very good for the summer balances because then Europe will have more capacity to, to absorb some of the, the, the volumes coming in the summer when, when demand is, is less. Uh, and this then you know, would reduce the risk of, of further US cargo cancellation next year. So let's look on the next slide. Uh, you know, what this has to do for the product prices. So, you know, we have gone from a market in the first half of the year where you had supply driven market where Europe was more like the central bank of gas. They had to buy, be the buyer of last resort, filling up the, but you know, this capacity is not endless. So once you got to levels where inventories were piling up uh, and, and full, uh, we had to cancel cargoes and prices, uh, you know, went as far as one dollar in Europe, below two dollars in Asia, and at 1.4 dollars in, in the US. And now we have gone into a second half market where Asia is, is it's demand driven, and this is really rallying the gas prices. And 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 we know uh, yesterday we went from the January contract for Asian LNG price it closed at around 12 dollars. And then we went to February contract uh, yesterday, and that's also at twelve dollars. So we've gone from one point eight dollars for Asian gas prices to twelve dollars. So it's really high prices. But you know, oil has also gone to fifty dollars. So this is boding well for the shale players in US. So Henry Hub has um, actually declined from three dollars to around two fifty. So you have gas in US being uh, having a cost of two and a half. And then you can ship it to Asia, sell it for $12. This creates a huge arbitrage spread. And that's why cargoes are going to Asia and people are paying a lot to freight it. But, you know, given the fact that Europe is also drawing their inventories, the, the forward prices for gas next year is also increasing because people see that uh, gas will be more in demand and, 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 and the spreads now are actually... I put in a gap here, but there's a pretty big gap between the Henry Hub price, which is around two and a half dollars, and TTF, the European price, and then the Asian price. So we do expect, you know, these really high gas prices to come down, but still they will converge at around uh, the, the contract price for, for gas, which is this kind of oil link price. So you typically gas is being sold at a discount to oil 15 to 30 percent discount to oil um, but right now it's been sold at a huge premium to oil but you know this will normalize but still at much better levels than we've seen this year um, so if you look at next slide maybe then so you know this means that a lot of cargoes have to be going to asia and it's creating a lot of congestions because the, the capacity in panama is limited and keep in mind that the shipping market for the two other segments that use panama canal right now um, are also very on fire that's container traffic which is the biggest uh, part of the traffic those ships are packed with uh, ipads and consumer electronics um, to to uh, replenish uh, to replenish uh, stores in in warehouses and people are crazy these days on Amazon buying a lot of stuff with all the monies they are not able to spend on holidays. So so of course containers are on fire. You are not able to get 
even steel containers these days. And then LPG, which is uh, also a gas product, that market is also on fire with $100,000 plus on the rates. So you should look into Avance Gas, which is a affiliated company of Flex. Uh, so, so a lot of people are competing for these slots, which are limited. Um, if you have a pre-booked slot, you will get through, but a lot of ships are just going to Panama and waiting for a spot slot. But these slots are now being sold on auction, and it's hard to compete for their willingness to pay with a container ship packed with uh, expensive consumer electronics. So waiting time is gone up quite a lot. We see a lot of uh, ships waiting for 10 days, and then if you're waiting for 10 days, you might as well go to Cape of Good Hope or the Suez Canal to Asia. It takes you 14 days, but then at least you know when you will get through and you avoid paying the Panama Canal duty. So that is what's happening. And if you look at the graph on the right, you will see that a lot of ships now suddenly using the long way around Cape of Good Hope. So, so this also magnifies the, the freight market because first you have the pull to Asia and then you have those uh, ships sailing the long route to Asia on top of that. So it's really good for the shipping market. It, and, and, and you know, this is the average transit hours. Uh, so right now, if you look at the projection for the next couple of weeks, you know, the, the range here is like 150 to 250 days expected waiting hours for spot slots the next couple of weeks. So, so this will be firm and, and, and it's not like this problem is going away. The, the, the capacity in Panama is finite. So uh, there will, when there is a lot of traffic, some ships will have to take the the long route. So uh, good, good for the freight market. So maybe next slide, and then uh, you know, surprise, surprise, what happens when Asia wants a lot of cargoes and ships are going the long route? Well, um, liquidity of ships dries up. So this is from Affinity on Friday. They had a prompt vessel availability. It's zero, zero, zero. No ships available. You have to wait a bit for a ship, and this is just ballooning the freight rate. So this is the seasonal freight rate the last couple of years, and we are today. You know, it's hard to tell because there's not that many fixtures. Uh, you know, if there was a lot of fixtures, then a lot of ships would be available. But Fernley's put the number at $175,000 yesterday for a Maggie XDF ships, the new ships, the ships type which the flex fleet consists entirely of, uh, which is much higher than the last couple of years because what people don't realize, you know, it's a diff bit different market because we have a market where winter weather in Asia is actually very cold, which hasn't been the case the last two years. And then we also have demand-driven growth. And on top of that, you have some supply uh, uh, disruptions as well. So it's, it's a really fair market with, uh, you know, February, uh, JKM product prices at $12, which I haven't seen for many, many years. Uh, and especially in arbitrage spreads, which we haven't seen since 2013-14. So uh, maybe then uh, looking at uh, the next slide. So um, with uh, the backdrop of a um, firm product market and Asian demand, you know, we can unlock a lot of potential volume growth next year. So the Energy Information Administration um, in the US, they expect uh, US volumes to grow on 16 million tons next year. This is at 88% utilization. So still then you would expect 
85 cargos or so to be canceled next summer. If you looked at product prices, forward prices, you, sh you shouldn't really be canceling cargos next year. So if you add those uh, 6 million tons on top of that, you have more than 20 million tons growth potential from US. And that alone would absorb the whole order book for 2021. We talk about a big order book for 2021, probably around 50 ships for delivery. But it's not like 50 ships are delivered 1st of January. They are spread out through the year, although most of them in the first half of the year. But you know, if you have 20 million tons out of the US, you would probably need around 40 ship years to, to, to transport those volumes. So that's like the order book for next year when you take into account that they are delivered during the year but uh, you know it doesn't stop there because we also have prelude starting up that's 3.7 million tons in australia gorgon is up uh, train two is up and running after being shut from may to november that's five million tons on that train um so there we have adjusted it for a yearly basis to around two and a half million tons then we have the russians uh, opening some new plants and then the egypt Egyptians, they are back in the market. ITKU has already started, and then there came an announcement recently that they will also start Damietta plant first half of next year, which has a capacity of 5 million tons. So, uh, you know, energy aspect, they expect growth to be 24 million tons, but, you know, it could be more or could be less. But, you know, pretty big volumes that can come to the market next year. And if those volumes are heading to Asia, like we're seeing now, that's uh, pretty good for the shipping market. So I think, you know, that's, I have one more slide, I believe. Uh, yeah. So, you know, it's, you know, market is very good now, and, but it's not like we're losing our heads. Uh, product prices will come down, freight rates will come down, normalizing, but LNG is, it's more about a long-term game. I, I said, you know, we are growing one and a half percent this year. It's, it's, even quicker than renewables and uh, but also think about it you know we're growing quicker than renewables and this is percentage growth so it's it's uh, even though renewables is from a lower base lng is still growing quicker so um, uh, you know if we are to decarbonize and and you know there are strong support for that now um, you know the quickest way to decarbonize is to shut down all these coal plants like they've done in South Korea this winter. They shut down 16 coal plants from 1st of December in order to clean up the air uh, pollution mostly, but also um, reducing carbon emissions. So in that you know, case, we, if we want to really do something, we really have to close a lot of coal plants and then LNG will grow very rapidly. So this is a slide from BP's Energy Week. They have a business as usual, so let's say we don't do anything with CO2 emissions, then of course, surprise, surprise, you know, uh, LNG growth will be pretty big. You know, this is 2018 levels at uh, 425 million BCM, I believe that's around 320 million tons in 2018, and you will grow to, you know, 800 something by 2035, so doubling the market by 2035 and even more so in 2050. But if you're doing rapid decarbonization, this means pricing carbon emissions, getting rid of coal, then actually LNG will grow much quicker. So uh, in such a scenario, uh, LNG demand in 2035 will actually exceed uh, 1000 BCM. So you can divide that by 1.35-ish 
uh, and you end up at uh, you know 700 million ton or so so it's a really really uh, you know rapid market growth we do expect for for lng as it's the quickest and easiest way to to decarbonize uh, today uh, so then last slide is just that we want to say merry flexmas uh, and uh, i think we can do some q a then Hi everyone, Christopher here again. Just a few things before you leave the show. If you like this episode, it would be great if you could give it a review and also share it with your professional network. If you want to get in touch with me, Twitter is the place. Just go to at Chris Wunheim. You can also find this information in the show notes. Hope to see you tune in to the next episode and take care. <laughs>